Hello, and welcome into another episode of Podcast 63. It is Season 4, Episode 18, and this week we have two more wins to talk about, two more comeback wins, which is going to be a theme, I guess, for this team, and at least for this episode. Uh, this week, I am actually away on vacation, so bear with us. Um, it's just not going to be as edited um, or as uh, fine-tuned as our normal episodes, but we still want to get you some content. We still want to talk about blurs. And most importantly, um, we want to uh, talk about these wins. So, Lou, how was your week? And uh, how are you feeling after these two games? Um, definitely the heart can't take too much like this. Um, I definitely cannot. Um, I think I was watching some late NFL games that just came down the wires. And then the Valpo game came down to the wires. And then we decided to have another sh- little stressful slow start in the state game. But again, overall, the blurs find a way to win, and it's always great to see and always exciting. So uh, just keep winning. If As long as I know they're going to win, it's going to look good. But it's been, been an interesting week as a Blurs fan, definitely. I feel you about, like, watching other sports, like NFL games or other college basketball games, and they're getting, like, close. And I, like, start to get, like, PTSD. And then I have to remember, oh, I, I don't care about these teams. Because <laughs> yep. otherwise I'm, like, I just get anxious and stressed. And it's like, for what? Like, I'm already stressed up. I'm, stressed out enough about our blurs um, exactly but yeah, yeah. let oh no you go ahead go ahead no i just think in something that we hadn't played for such a long time so now to get games i'm very excited but then i'm like wait i don't i can't take it like this so it's an interesting yeah. one but i'm excited to talk about it so too much for the heart like you said um but yeah let's start with the good news um so we did have two wins uh and because of those wins it kept us on top and uh a few of the top 25 teams uh, toward the back half or the back end of the top 25 lost. And also uh, Oklahoma lost, who is right in front of us, like at unofficial uh, 26. Um, so that uh, bumped us up into the top 25. And this week we were ranked number 22, which um, I like personally, like I think is a couple spots higher than I thought. I was thinking more like 24 or 25. Um, but I think just kind of the way that things shook out um, with teams losing and like we had been there, we've been so close for so long, uh, at least like the past month, really, um, that I think a lot of the voters kind of respected that. And I was like, well, you know, I haven't voted loyal to this like up to now. So I guess now's the time. Um, and I think two, uh, two victories, obviously, uh, is, is the key thing. But. Um, yeah, Lou, what was your reaction when you when you read or saw the AP poll this week? Um, to be honest, 22 was just a little higher than I thought. Not saying it's higher than I thought we deserved, just higher than what I thought voters were going to give us, especially just with how things went last week. Um, but then again, you see what teams kind of fell and dropped. So it's really exciting to see. Um, and then hopefully to be in real honesty is that I hope this is a benchmark for the team to be like, hey, let's kind of hunker down, especially after the games we'll talk about here the last three conference games, it's been a little bit of an interesting road, but the fact that that tough road got them to be ranked right now, 22nd in the nation, I think that's huge. Um, and then again, it's kind of almost theirs to lose, right? If, as long as we keep going the way we're going, we, a few teams here and there are going to fall and we could keep moving up. So I think that's a great spot. We were in this spot last year. Um, now, do I think it fairly helped us at the end of the tournament? No, I think the tournament seeding was definitely wrong, but I think this year no one's going to overlook us if we do have a high AP ranking. So I think this is the first step uh, to just solidifying that March Madness bid that we want to get um, at the end of the season. Yeah, and I've, I've been watching, like, Bracketology, and I think right now, like, I would say a little more than half have, have us as a seven seed. And I would say, you know, the other remaining 40% or whatever have us as a six seed. Um, I think it's going to be... Uh, you know, I, th- I think like our ceiling is probably like a five, like if we win out and maybe a four or a five, but realistically, you know, if we keep at this pace and maybe drop a game or two or maybe even three, I think we're still wearing our home whites on the first weekend or the first game. Um, uh, but yeah, I would love to see it just avoid that eight, right? That eight, nine is so difficult because you have to go up against those one seeds, you know, hypothetically, if you win your first matchup. Um, but it, it is fun to like, check in on the bracketology every once in a while, see how, uh, see how our team stacks up. Cause sometimes like just because you're ranked um, doesn't necessarily mean that your like ranking is going to correspond with like what seed you are. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is kind of uh, 
Um, I don't know. It fluctuates a lot. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is like, it, it's super cool. It's great for the guys. You know, I, I'm sure if you ask them, they're going to say, Oh, you know, we're not focused on that. Like we're focused on the next game, which is obviously what it should be, what, the, what they should be focused on. But I think this is something more for the fans, right? It's, it's for us. Like we, I think we deserve it uh, for all the stress that we've been put through the past few weeks. And, um, and uh, it's just fun to see, fun to see our guys get some, some more media coverage as well. So um, any, any last thoughts on the top 25 ranking, Lou? I think it just, uh, it's really uh, kind of ours to lose. No one else's. Um, we're all going to say that, but I think these guys, like you said, they're not going to be like, Oh yes, we've, we've done it. It's something nice to have, but they're just going to try to keep grinding. Um, so really excited and just really uh, happy. Like you said, getting that national coverage is huge and also just keeps getting the people who voted to be like, yep, they were 22 last week. They're still a 20. They're still moving up. So it helps mm-hmm. with that coverage. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hope we keep winning and we can keep moving up the, the leaderboard, so to say. Um, but to the games. So this week, uh, we had a home game against Valparaiso. Um, Valpo coming into the game, um, I think was eight and eight, uh, and they were one and three in conference play up to this point. Um, I think probably other than Evansville, they were the, the bottom of the Missouri Valley conference in terms of just performance in general. Um, and honestly, like, yeah, the, all the, I think the the line on this game was like 18 points, like Loyola was favored. And I think everyone that I talked to and kind of read about was like, oh, yeah, Loyola should win this one pretty handedly. And man, was that uh, couldn't be further from the truth. Um, it was a, uh, a slog for sure, like early going scoring for us was just really difficult. Um, and even like in the second half, it was just. It was tough. We just weren't scoring buckets, um, and the the issue wasn't turnovers. We only had nine turnovers for the whole game. We were getting pretty decent shots, um, you know, and not everything was wide open, but you know, decent looks uh, from both three and from just in uh, from field goal, and stuff wasn't falling. And you know, sometimes uh, teams rely too much on the three ball. But um, a team like Loyola, I, I really just I tweeted a little bit about it after the game. But um, we we have really great three point shooters, and it's not just one or two or three. So you know, it, it's five or six or seven of the guys. So um, you know, when they kept shooting, I was hoping that eventually they'd start to go down. And I think we hit, <laughs> I think we were what three of nineteen from three uh, in mm-hmm. regulation. Um, and eventually, this game did go to overtime. Uh, we'll get into the details here in a minute. Went to overtime, then it went to double overtime, and then finally we pulled ahead and um, we did win the game 81 to 74 in double overtime. Um, just like a few thoughts, I actually I didn't watch a lot of this game, um, to be honest, before the game started. Um, uh, since I was going away on vacation, I was trying to stay home and stay safe and all that kind of stuff. But I told myself, you know, I'm not going to watch this game because it shouldn't be close. Like, this game should not have been close. And if it is close, it's going to be stressful, right? Like, and and I'm going to be upset because like, it shouldn't be this close. And I'm going to be cursing at the TV, whatever. Eventually, once it was really like really close down at the end of regulation, I did turn it on for like the last two minutes of regulation and watch the overtime. And honestly, that was probably the best portion of the game to watch. (laughs) Um, And, you know, people are calling me the good luck charm and I, I do accept that title um i'm just kidding but um yeah it was uh it was that part of the game was fun to watch i'll say that much um and uh it was fun watching Braden hit three ball after three ball after three ball um but uh lou i know you watched uh, like most of the game or at least more than i did so uh what were your thoughts about the game overall and just the ups and downs of it all yeah, the quick part was I said to myself, well, one, I didn't want to go to the game only because it was such a late start. It was 8 o'clock uh, Central, so that's a little bit later. I wanted to get my rest. Um, that failed because I definitely didn't get my rest. Um, <laughs> and I said to myself, I'll tune into the game maybe in the second half, right? Watch some guys, and I'll rewatch the game another night. And then my uh, partner, she uh, said, How about, no, let's turn on the game. I want to watch it with you. 
And thank God she did because I didn't stop watching the entire game. And it was an interesting game. Um, have to say Valpo, uh, Kobe King, I think is going to be an interesting, interesting player in this uh, conference. As long as he stays, I think uh, Matt Linox got an interesting player there for sure. Um, another one for me is uh, then the transfer, um, uh, Thomas Keither, who I just on the defensive end was just ridiculous in the first half. So this is where I'm going to start is the first half was completely just weird game. Um, CK got blocked a lot down low, didn't really get clean looks for himself. Um, so that was kind of tough. Um, but again, the Valpo offense was just clicking. They were pushing the ball tempo. They were not afraid to just push it. Um, and again, I think that's what puts them up eight points. Again, everyone kept saying 22 points, our lowest scoring game or first half so far. Don't think that was correct, but again, the first half was just really, really tough. Um, not only from just, so I think the team standpoint, but we were, we're what three of 10 from, uh, from three, um, that didn't actually be, they were going to be the only three threes we shot the entire regulation, um, so just a tough thing to watch, but overall, I think, uh, I think the biggest thing is that we didn't leave ourselves in too big of a hole, uh, from the first half, but overall, then the grind then at the end, I think is the biggest thing, right? Braden, I think just decides to step up, just becomes everyone's favorite closer. I think that's his nickname now for the last few games is going to be the closer. Um, and it's just crazy to see that. Um, I think another name that needs to be said for this game, which is a weird stat, but a hero Ugwak, Decides to give himself six rebounds, five assists, but one point. And then the other thing is uh, team free throws. I loved Braden six of six, Marquise Kenny four of four, Tate Hall four of four. Free throws are ended up what tied the game, and they kept us in it. So I hats off to free throws. But there's so much to talk about, so much. Um, but Buck, I'd love to hear what where you want to go with it next. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna bring someone else up, uh, and that's Chris Knight. Um, and again, this is like biased cause I only watched like 12 minutes of actual game time or whatever, but, uh, he made two huge plays, uh, I think at the end of regulation, actually, um, both steals or tips or whatever, or, or like just really close defense that caused a turnover. And I think he even, I think he scored a layup with like two and a half minutes left or something that got us to within two or four or something like that. Um, and you know, I also, this is going to carry over into the next game too is was his defense is just i think is taking a step up from where it was early in the season i think early on in the season we knew he was very good offensively but defensively we're like ah is he you know he's not really tall can is he going to secure rebounds um is he actually going to make a difference on defense and i i think he did in this game especially when it mattered or when it you know in, in crunch time um so i like seeing that um I mean, we've got to mention Lucas Williamson played 44 minutes, um, just an Iron Man. He finished with 11 points, three rebounds, three assists, and two steals. Um, hit a big three in overtime, uh, which, you know, considering he was one of six going into overtime, um, I'm glad he hit that one and had the confidence to hit it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think another thing we're going to keep talking about over these this, uh, this game and the next was Huddy. Uh, and the unfortunate just kind of happenings for him right now, he's hit a sophomore slump. I don't know. You know, I, I think that's kind of appropriate. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to say doesn't say anything about him, but he's in a slump right now. Um, he finished with five points and one rebound and played 14 minutes, um, which is definitely less than his season average. And he wasn't in during crunch time. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think it's a little bit of a slump for him here and I hope he makes some adjustments. Uh, I hope they utilize him a little bit better and, uh, that he can snap out of it, but, um, definitely a little, a little bit of a bummer. And the, the last guy I want to mention here, uh, also, I think a little bit of a bummer personally is Ryan Schwieger, uh, only five points, one rebound, one assist, one steal, um, over four from three. Um, we just know he's a, he's a great scorer and, you know, we've come to, I think, rely on him a little bit, especially to get us some buckets when we're struggling. And 
Um, I think I, you know, anytime I look at the scoreboard and I don't see double digits for him, I do think it's a little bit of a, um, uh, I don't know, letdown or a little bit of a bummer. So those are kind of my highs and lows, I guess, of, uh, of the game. But uh, Lou, what else do you got? You want to talk about someone else or just do you want to talk about, I mean, we still really even haven't talked about the overtimes and just what, what. Yeah. It, in reality, it is kind of crazy that we, we played a game of regulation and then also we played half a game of regulation because we played two overtimes, right? So that's five minutes each, 10 or sorry, a quarter, because uh, we play 20 minutes each half. So a quarter of a game extra um, mm-hmm. after, again, playing 40 minutes. But I think one thing that uh, not only does this kind of connect with Ryan just because he had a tough game, but just overall shot selection, I think that was uh, just a summary for me. Um, again, 0 for 10 in the second half from three. So that's a total of three for 20 in the entire second half. Or sorry, in the entire game of regulation. Uh, regulation time. So one example I just talked about with Ryan was he had to fake the three and that was great. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if that's his game, but I swear he, he had a floater, like maybe in the DePaul game. And I was like, Oh, I like that floater. And then he tried to, to drive when he had the space to float it in. Right. And now again, it's different when Braden, cause Braden can't really float. Cause just because if a guy just jumps a few feet, he might get the block. Right. And that's just a height difference. But, but, Ryan's got the height where you could jump up and maybe float it over. Um, so something interesting was just that kind of shot selection. Again, here he had like oh he went oh for three, oh for one from three, and it's just like either he didn't shoot it because then he held on to the ball. So like the 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 attempts not to shoot were just interesting for me there. So again, shot selection was really interesting. We ended the game with forty two percent. Uh, field gold, which again I'm mainly gonna rely on the the uh, overtimes to help our shooting percentage because then in threes mm-hmm. definitely it helped. But um, just the the whole time of regulation was the shot selection was uh, interesting for me. Um, but I think yeah, I think the the grid of and the grid and the main part of this story really comes about these double overtimes. Um, well, actually, sorry, side note, I apologize. Valpo decided to have two techs, uh, which uh, didn't yeah. really do much. Um, they were weird texts. Uh, absolutely going to admit that. Nothing crazy. Um, but that's just something I thought was funny that the listeners should know if they didn't watch the game. Which Valpo decided to have two texts and don't know really why they did him. Um, but, yeah, I think it really comes down to overtime if you want to go into it, Buck. Yeah, I mean, um, going into the overtime, like it, it, it felt like there was a little bit of momentum on our side. We had caused, I think, at least three turnovers within the last two minutes uh, and gotten, you know, just enough uh, scoring from our side to tie the game up. And I I think whenever you go to overtime, the home team has the advantage kind of, you know, in any sport, you know, you're more comfortable to your place. Fans are usually on your side, that sort of thing. So I did think, okay, you know, we got to overtime, settle down, let the veterans do their thing. And we got this. And um, that looked like it was going to happen. You know, Braden hit a three, Lucas hit a three, um, you know, things were looking good. I think Marquise might've hit some free throws or a layup or something. And, but Valpo just didn't back down. They hit, they hit a couple, um, I'm not gonna say crazy threes because I, I, you know, they were decent, but, um, definitely like a few feet back from the three point line. There was one in particular where I, it was shot kind of running. Yeah. yeah. Shot clock running down. And I see him braid. I think Braden was on him and I'm like, you got to step up. you got to step up. He's going to shoot, and sure enough, he shot, and he drilled the three. Um, I think that tied the game back up maybe at that point. Um, but, um, but yeah, I guess uh, looking at it now, yeah, Chris and I had a layup in overtime. Uh, Braden hit a uh, – oh, yeah, that was actually a really nice layup. He beat um, uh, the big guy, Cricky, I think, to the hoop. And um, honestly, you know, that actually – that layup um, I think had a an effect – on one of Braden's threes later in the game in double overtime. Um, cause of spacing, you think? Well, yeah. Cause there was one where he was like at free throw line extended all the way toward the Loyola bench. And he hit, I think it was Cricky again with a jab step and it created like just enough space or got him flat footed where he got enough room to elevate and hit pretty like an open three. But, um, I think that layup actually, you know, in the back of his mind, he's like, oh, he beat me on the drive. I have to be ready to, to go backwards or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just, um, some crazy, uh, in, in the first overtime wild back and forth free throws, um, a couple, uh, a couple threes from us, a couple threes from them. And 
it was knotted up again going into double overtime. Um, one of the interesting things about double overtime was that um, both Lucas Williamson and Uguak did not start the double overtime period, uh, and neither did uh, Huddy. I think it was Braden, Marquise, Chris Knight, uh, Tate Hall, and who am I missing? Um, I don't know, one more guy. But um, I think it just had to do with legs, you know, trying to, I think uh, Coach Drew was doing everything he could to maybe get them an extra minute or two so that they could play the last two or three minutes of the double overtime. And it must have worked. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously, Braden was the hero, right? Braden hit three threes in double overtime that each one was, I think, more exciting and wild than the, than the previous one. But um, Marquise had a, a really nice layup in overtime, too. Um, and he had a couple free throws. And then uh, Tate Hall had a couple free throws to ice the game with uh, four seconds left. But, uh, man, that, that was just those barrage of threes in overtime. Um, but some other nice buckets in there, too. So I don't think we should forget about those. Um, but, yeah, Lou, what was your kind of reaction to, to the overtime periods? So I, I really think uh, it, it, I really thought Valpo just gave up, right? Their last minute in 17 was three straight turnovers and they just, they fouled us. We, we were able to get a bucket up. Um, so I really thought Valpo was kind of giving up um, and I was completely wrong. Uh, they kept battling back and at least in the first overtime, right? I think the first overtime they were like saying, not backing down, not trying to really give up. Um, and Kobe King, I tip my cap. Great, great player. Um, I Sheldon Edwards taking uh, to the rim. I think there was a point, maybe it was at the first overtime where he just wide open to the rim. Um, mm-hmm. So really interesting. Uh, but then um, I do in being, I was intrigued with the Lucas not starting and uh, here. And I do think it's the fact of uh, minutes because then also you watch Drew play his um, kind of his better defenders right so tate would come in and ryan would leave good out because tate has a better defense um or marquise they would save for the offense so it was really kind of a back and forth but overall i think everyone just really helped uh the man of the entire game and the closer which all of ncaa was calling which is Braden norris and cool calm collective he really was even to be honest it wasn't even just a three he had amazing drive when he had um I think Cricky on him um, yep, yep. and he just drove past him and he had an, it was simply a great drive. I wouldn't even have thought that to be honest with you, that uh, he would have even himself thought, Hey, I'm going to drive on him, but he had the mismatch. So I think that's the biggest part there. Um, and the other thing is that we just decided to just make baskets in the second half. No one really like you would think these guys are tired, give up. Our field goal percentage was perfect in the second overtime we were four of seven in the first overtime. So again, just a just an amazing eight of eleven. And then the threes, we missed one three in both overtimes. So I think being five of six is just crazy, especially for a game that we went three of twenty. So I really thought these boys, our boys, were just tired and gassed out. But no, they just keep coming back, keep fighting, not giving up. Tip my cap to Valpo. I think Kobe King's gonna be great, but I think those turnovers. Gave us the kind of the excitement to come back and the energy. And I think we uh, capitalized on it. And again, Braden Norris tipped my cap because I, some of the threes, man, you just like jumped out of your couch and you're like, whoa, what? And I regret, I am not going to deny, I regret not going to the game. I absolutely do. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's no, there's no denying that. Um, again, I could have had my brand new seat tips to Loyal Athletics for adding those seats, but I didn't. And I'll, I'll remember that moving forward. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, hopefully you can get that new seat smell when you get into the arena the next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, when he when Braden was hitting those threes, man, it was just – it was wild. It really was. Like, there, he had no business making some of those threes uh, for how much he had played, how the game was going, um, and how they were shooting overall. Like, that's – I think the surprising part was just they did – they truly just kept shooting sometimes you know you tell your eyes like shoot or shoot right like you got to shoot yourself out of a slump and um that's what happened uh and this one for sure uh, at least with Braden. um that one lucas three was really nice too uh it was it was kind of funny it was in that first overtime and 
I think Braden passed it to him, and one of the Valpo guys went for the steal. He missed it, and I actually think it hit like Lucas in the chest or in the stuff. Like he didn't know, he didn't think the ball was going to get all the way to him. <laughs> it was kind of like, look what I found, uh, wide open three, and he hit it. So uh, that was a fun one too. But um, but yeah, just overall, um, I obviously am super happy that they won this game. This would have been pretty much the worst possible loss they could have had at home to Valpo. The only one worse would be at home to Evansville, um, just in the eyes of like the committee and the voters and all that kind of stuff. So I, you know, it's not pretty. Um, and if you look in deeper, it's, it's a really ugly game for Loyola, but they came out with the victory. That's kind of at the end of the day, that's what matters. It's the biggest deal. Um, you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna put style points on every single win. So, um, shouts out and, and, and big props to the guys for grinding it out, um, playing, you know, 50 minutes of basketball or for both Braden and Lucas playing 43 and 44 minutes respectively. Um, it was a hell of a game and, and they should be, they should, I hope they were proud of themselves after this one. I actually, after the, uh, uh, during the uh, highlights video, I think Drew said we're locking the guys out of Gentile and yep. uh, the practice yeah. facility. Which I I, I told I, I was telling uh, my boyfriend Jeff like right after the game I was like, look, they they shouldn't they should not be able to practice. Like they need a day to like not think about it. Like this is the type of game that just takes everything out of you. And I'm sure they have been working their tails off since after they had their COVID break, like even before they played San Francisco, they'd been practicing for at least a week, if not like 10 days, most of them since Christmas, I guess. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that he did that. I think that will pay dividends for the team. Um, and I, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting detail and, and very smart. So, yeah, yeah I think um, one, one more detail about uh, Drew's comments was supposedly I saw a tweet that when he went on to the radio broadcast, he uh, saw that it was already 1030. And I think he said, F, it's 1030. And then he said, sorry. <laughs> and that's exactly how I was yeah. worried about the game. But I stayed up for every minute. But it was just a funny, I think, laugh to see on the Twitter uh, feed. Just that even Drew was like, damn, I'm tired. It's late. He's got a baby and a wife to go home to. And then I appreciate exactly your sentiment there, Buck, about um, yeah about no practice. So, and then one last yeah. thing, just to top of that is how's Hals- metrics. We talk about them all the time. Just, this is our worst performance of the year so far. So mm-hmm. um, again, it wasn't pretty at all, but it was a game that well, I'm very, very happy. Cause like you said, it, that's a game that hurts you on the long term. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, it, it's one of those games. I think, uh, you know, a year from now, we can completely forget about, right? Except for the Braden antic or heroics. But I think it will be good to to not have to think about this one and uh, not have to agonize about a potential loss to Valpo at home. So um, final score, 81-74 in double overtime and uh, Braden Norris plays hero. Um, so moving on, uh, we had a few days off uh, until we traveled to Terre Haute to play Indiana State, and it's actually kind of weird because it's our fourth overall conference game, but already our second uh, game with Indiana State. Uh, we saw them at home back in December when we played that the first conference game, um, and we when we played them earlier in the season, uh, we did win as well, and the final score of that game was 88-76, to so um, one by 12. Um, and I think at the time we thought that felt appropriate, you know, maybe we could have scored a couple more points, but I think, uh, I think that felt appropriate. And for this one, um, you know, I, I, again, we were, we're hoping like, okay, like, I hope it's not a stressful game. I hope, you know, we don't dig ourselves a hole. Um, I know Indiana State's pretty good. They have a lot of scorers, uh, talented scorers, um, and we're on the road. So there's never a gimme game on the road in the Valley, but. Uh, we were hoping it would be a little less stressful, and that did not happen. Um, Loyola dug it themselves a hole again. I think they were down by 15 at one point in the first half, it looks like. Um, and uh, uh, they were able to chip away uh, and got it down to three uh, in the halftime. It was 33-30 to 30 
which at the time felt great that they could get it down. And um, yeah, it was uh, Loyola ended up taking the lead kind of kind of early on in the second half, and it was back and forth a little bit. Um, uh, I won't say that Loyola ever really pulled away. Um, it was back down. Loyola's lead was back down to one with two and a half minutes left, but uh, Indiana State didn't score after that. So final score was uh, 64-56, um, and uh, we got the we got the dub on the road. Um, you know, road dogs, as they like to say. So, so Lou, uh, what were your takeaways from, from this game at Indiana State? Yeah, I was out to dinner uh, watching this first half of the game, and I had it on, and I had apologized to the people that were watching me watch it just because of such sloppy first half play. And it wasn't that they were making – to me, it wasn't that we were making dumb decisions. It was that we were just playing too fast. We are trying mm-hmm. to play catch up again. We didn't start. It was one to seven right at a certain point. Um, so we didn't really start off too great. Um, and so I think there was the frustration of the slow start and not really hitting too many great things. Um, but to add on top of not hitting too many shots, it's not really too great to just toss the ball around running and everything. So that was just kind of frustrated. I saw the bench multiple times. Guys, hands down, saying, calm it down, t- collect yourselves. Um, and I think we really did get to collect ourselves toward the end as we made a massive push there um, to kind of nearly tie the game up there at half. Um, again, we ended half 30 to 33. Um, so I think that's the the biggest thing. But overall, um, I think it was just an exciting game coming out of the second half. Um, I think that was the best play. Um, we, we really just said, Hey, we're going to kind of forget about the first half. Um, Braden starts off with a nice layup and then we just kind of go back and forth, back and forth. And then we take the lead and I think we maybe just hand it back one more time. And then I think we just go the rest of the game with the, uh, with the lead. So, um, yeah, it was really interesting, really tough game. I think box score wise, if you look at it, you would think, again, Lucas with a great game. Absolutely. I think that kind of cleans up nearly some of his uh, game from the Valpo game. But for me, Marquise Kennedy, again, mm-hmm. back-to-back games of just a f- decent – I don't want to say too much efficiency um, because I think he's kind of been quiet a few games, but, again, letting other guys score. So it's a, we have so many scores. So when you go quiet, it's not like it's your fault, right? I think someone else is just going hot. But back-to-back games with double-digit points, 14 the Valpo game, 15 here. He also put up six rebounds and three steals. That's the mm-hmm. thing that saw me. And I saw some of these steals and they were great. Um, so, but again, he had two turnovers. So guys had turnovers. Braden, though, 12 points. He had four turnovers. Um, but again, we weren't shooting terrible or anything, right? We were 35% from three and 45 first half. Overall, 45 and 33. So it, it was just a weird sluggish turnover game, I think, that caused so many things. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me that was kind of nearly new ish to see, and I'd love to hear your input and I want to get into it is Chris Knight rebounding. Mm -hmm. You, Oh, you want my take on it? Yeah, please. Yeah. I I thought he was great. Honestly, like I, um, you know, this is the kind of big man that I, uh, that I like It, it. It does give me, throwbacks to Andre Jackson you know I I don't ever want to compare two players like that but it just reminds me of it a little bit uh he's always fighting for boards um and I you know like I said earlier in the episode back earlier in the season we were like okay his offensive game we know is there he's always in the right spot it just seems like he's not finding his flow on defense and now I I think he's there I think he's getting to that point where he is trustworthy on defense um, and, and, you know, a lot of times rebounds have to do with like where the ball bounces, especially on a team like Loyola, where I feel like almost everyone goes in for rebounds, right? Like it is truly, there's not, we don't just have like a, a seven footer who can just stand there and grab all the boards. So I, we need to team rebound. Um, but you know, Chris Knight is finding himself in the right place and, you know, he has to be doing something right to get 10 rebounds in this game. Um, and, uh, I, I think additionally, like, defensively he had four block shots which i i'm almost positive that's the most that anyone's had this year for for loyola for us 
Um, and, you know, that's not going to happen every game, right? I, I don't really see him as that sort of shot blocker extraordinaire. But even if he can get one a game, like, that that can be um, a huge thing uh, as long as he's not fouling um, or just a, a affecting shots, too, like um, getting hands and faces, all that kind of stuff. Um, I want to talk about kind of toward the end of this like game review, but really get diving into the Chris Knight and Huddy conversation. Cause I think we're at that point where we need to talk about it. Um, but one thing I wanted to add on um, about Marquise Kennedy is his steals. I don't know if this is a term, but I'm going to coin it. They're effective steals. And what I mean by that is when he's getting steals, like you said, he's getting buckets, right? Steals leading to dunks, steals leading to additional effective possessions, steals leading to fouls, like immediate fouls. That's a that's an effective steal, you know. And and you might think, oh, Andrew, what's like what's an unaffected steal, right? Well, you know, those are the types where I think like, um, you know, you get a steal, but there's no fast break right afterwards, right? It's not like a a live ball of steal, so. I just he affects the game in so many ways, and I, I was listening to the um, the Missouri Valley Conference coaches call today, and Drew talked about Marquise's defense, and he was just saying like the past couple games, I think we've really seen like Marquise Kennedy um, take a step up, and and you see that potential, right? You see that potential to be an all defensive player, like all Valley defensive player, and I think the cool thing is. Um, at least for me and you, we've been talking about Marquise Kenny being an extraordinary defender since high school. We saw that in his film in high school, blocking shots, getting steals, that kind of thing. So I think it's just really cool now that he has, um, I think he's elevated his game. I think he's getting notoriety for it. And does that mean he's going to get defensive all Valley this year? Probably not, but I think it's a possibility, and if he keeps playing this way, he might he might just find himself on that team. Um, but I know we were originally talking about Chris Knight, so if you want to talk about Chris Knight, please yeah, feel I free. do. And I think this kind of will, will nearly go into the Huddy debate, right? Um, when you look at Indiana State's roster, they weren't playing big. They have three guys in their roster, six ten or high or more, right? Neither, I, I'm, if I'm looking at this correctly, one of them played. Um, Simon, he started 21 minutes, but only five points. Like, I think they were playing small ball and that's what you saw. And that's where I think Chris Knight elevates himself. Right. And it's, it's very similar to what we use when we talk about, when we talk about comparisons to Andre Jackson, Andre Jackson was the better small ball kind of center stretch forward than Crutwig was at his time just because Crutwig's ability to be athletic and stuff like that wasn't there but I think that's where Chris Knight really excelled in this game to be honest with you four blocks you'd like he's not getting blocks up against guys that are taller than him no he's getting up blocks against guys that he is shorter than him but the best part is he can also stay with them because he's that a quick and that athletic he can stay with these guys while kind of guarding them in the post and everything so I think that's the biggest thing for me right away when it comes to kind of Chris Knight's role in this game, again, you see, if I really think about it, and I kind of am going to go to his history, his rebounding has never been cl too clean, right? It, it's always been here and there and not too great. Um, but the last two out of the last three games, he's had double-digit rebounds. He's only had a, one game where before these three games where he had more than five rebounds. So it kind of like, you're like, Hey, what? Yeah. I'm uh, yeah. I'm not to toot my own horn. Yeah. He's only had one game over five rebounds before the Bradley game and then the Indiana state game. So really, really interesting to see where he fits. And personally, I think that's really interesting because Valpo had the bigger guys. They had Cricky, they had Keither guys that were bigger physically in the paint and they were blocking shots on him. But then you get to the small ball and oh, rolls are reverse. Chris Knight's got the upper hand. And I do think you saw that with Bradley. They were quicker. They were moving fast with their small group. And then the same with Indiana State. I think you're, you got guys who, they're, who are they're trying to just play small ball because you got guys like, what, Cameron Henry, who's just quick and everything, Cooper Neese shooting from three. So for me, the debate, or if there even is one, I don't think there is one. I'm just going to flat out say it. 
I think it's just mm. rotational. It makes rotation sense. You put, if they're going to play small and you think you can keep up by playing small, you don't need to worry about playing big, then play small. And also I think Loyola structure is we always go small and we do well, right? We're, we're a three point shooting team now. So you like to have guys who can multiple guys who can shoot a three. So now I'm not saying Chris Knight's going to shoot a three. I don't know. We did see him in open practice hit a three, but I don't think we'll see that soon. So for me, there's really no debate. I think it's just really a rotational thing, but Buck, I'd love to hear what you think. And mm-hmm. my last piece is I don't really think Drew knows hundred percent either. It's his first year head mm-hmm. coaching. I think he's trying to figure out rotations. And again, I have a side note that I want to say after, but I want to really get your impression with uh, kind of CK in the last, again, the last game. And then the last two out of three games, a just kind of different, different mentality he's had. Yeah. So I, you know, here's my, here's my cop out answer. And then I'm going to give a real, real answer. My cop out answer is there's two ways that I think Drew could go about this. You replace Huddy in the starting lineup with CK and you tell Huddy, Hey, this is going to take some pressure off you. You come off the bench, you know, you don't, you don't have to worry about scoring. You don't have to worry about um, that pressure right away. You know, just come in, play your game and we'll, we'll get you into situations that are better for you. Right. You're playing maybe the backup big, whatever. Um, the other, the other way is, you know, you, you tell Heidi, Hey, look, like I know you've been struggling recently, but we still have confidence in you. We're not doing, we're not changing anything. Um, you're in the starting lineup. We have faith in you. You know, let, let's let's keep it going, right? Um, so that's my cop out answer. Those are the options, right? And I think either of them are are fine. Personally, I do think it's time for a change. I I, I think that CK provides a lot of offense um, and can get you a few quick early buckets um, and isn't a liability on defense as I think we've seen. Um, and I think Adi would, would kind of, uh, succeed. That's not the word, but would do well for coming off the bench, having less pressure and potentially playing against, um, the backup big. But, um, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't get paid to make those decisions, right? Like my opinion can be wrong. And I hope that Huddy goes out and proves me wrong. We've seen him have great games like Arizona state for, for example. Um, so I know he's got that capability in him. I'm just a little nervous that that the um, the stage is a little big for him right now. But um, again, you know, it, I don't make those decisions. But uh, if if the pen was in my hand, I'd be penciling CK's name into the starting lineup for the game in Evansville uh, tomorrow night. So, yeah. What what was your other thing that you had? I'm curious. Uh, so my other, other thing is, I okay. So I think Huddy still starts. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you have the advantage early and you got to see if it's going to work, especially when it's your first game against these teams in conference play, you don't really know what's going to work until you start playing it. Right. How do you, we saw him have great games where you just throw it up to the rim and he's grabbing there, right. Against San Francisco. That was a great example that he had. Right. Um, now again, I think that's against a team who had guys with height. So when it's guys who are beating him, that's a different story personally. Right. There's. But for him to play six minutes, this is funny. Weirdly enough, he only played seven minutes against UIC, which is odd for me to see that. But mm-hmm. but the biggest thing is, I think, is that you can't just have him play six minutes. That's my opinion. Again, we're not getting paid to be the coach. Now, there was that article that potentially CK might have another year. But again, the way it's looking, he right now, percentage-wise, he might not, right? Um, I think Huddy's the future, so to not let him play – He's almost like just keeping him caged up and kind of hurting his ceiling. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think there are times where it's like, okay, Huddy's not really doing it with this rotation. That's why, in my opinion, it's not a really debate. It's just rotational sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have Huddy to start because he has the height advantage and you see if it works. If it doesn't work, then you move it, move it around. But for him to only get two touches to the rim in the Indiana State game, only three touches in the Valpo game and then two touches in the Bradley game. I, I don't know if that's really fair. Like, yeah, you look at a box where like, oh, it's time, of course, but that's only been three games and he hasn't been really fed. And then if you look at the last three games we've shot, or sorry, at least maybe not the Indiana State game, but Valpo and Bradley game, we've just been checking up shots. So maybe we start feeding or maybe start doing more pick and rolls. 
I don't know. We're not coaching. I think there's a lot of layers to peel back and figure out what works and what doesn't work. I I'm going to kind of say we're learning. And I think also this is Huddy's first full year. Right. Mm-hmm. I think we also get to say this a little bit and maybe Buck, you'll laugh. It's like, we've had the pleasure of watching Cameron Crutwig evolve into a great and legendary loyal player. I think we're mm-hmm. all kind of like, Oh, Huddy, you can do it. Let's do it now. That's not really we're, we've never been known to tender toward bigs. Right. So the fact that we would hopefully develop Huddy into an amazing big would be what I hope for. Um, so that's kind of the, the, also the other way to look at it. Again, I'm looking a little bit more bigger picture down the road, the rest of Loyola, but I think also some people are like, no, we need to win now and not win by double overtimes. And we'd like to put the better player in. So there's a lot of, I guess it is a discussion. I'm going to say, right. I'm not going to say it's a debate. I really won't. I don't, I don't want to say that. I do think it's a discussion to say, Hey, what works and what doesn't work. Um, but you could almost say that about, uh, Ryan at one point, right? Like why wasn't Swieger starting with back-to-back what 22 point outings? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was coming off the bench. So there's a lot of things. Um, and again, this is Drew's first year with them too. So there's a lot of first years too. I think that everyone's trying to figure out. Um, but I would, I would say Huddy does not deserve less than 10 point, 10 minutes. Sorry. I think he does. If, if it's, even if it's staggered two minutes, I don't mind. Because then it gets him like, hey, these are your two minutes. You don't need to go all crazy for four minutes. Like, hey, these two minutes, these are your two minutes. You're going to start and then you're going to come back. Like, get this is what you got. And we'll feed you a few plays um, or three minutes. I don't know what works best, but that's what I'm – I don't think he deserves less than 10 minutes at least um, at a game. And, again, the, you look at Arizona State game, played 24, I think nearly his, his second most minutes all year, and he dropped 26 now. I think that's because he had a hot hand. So a lot of a lot of things to look at, a lot of questions out there, but interesting, definitely something we got to look at as we got games that didn't really go too great. We want to make sure we finish strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you about the minutes. He needs 10, 12, sometimes even 14 minutes. And another reason why he needs those minutes is so when they look back at film, it's not just like two things he did wrong or, you know, two things he did wrong, two things he did right. You know, the more you play, the more errors you make, the more good things you do, too. So, like, I think for for any athlete, like, seeing film about what they're doing right or wrong is really helpful. And I think at this point, he just needs more notes, good or bad. And I think, you know, the more he plays, the more notes he has. Um, but, yeah, speaking of playing time, uh, I think it's worth noting uh, Keith Clemens played 10 minutes in this game. And he hit a three, which is great. Great to see. Um, and it's someone we really haven't talked that much about. Um, and it's been strange. Uh, I, you know, we heard earlier in the year, he was having some, some, I think ankle or knee, I think it's knee issues, but then we saw that he played in that secret scrimmage against Wisconsin and played super well and played like 18 or 20 minutes or something. And then, um, you know, then he I do think he sat a game and then he was out for a while and then came back and he played a few. Uh, he played all the games in um, the the Bahamas. Why am I drawing a blank? Bahamas, right? The tournament. Oh, Atlanta. Remember the. Yeah. yeah, Atlantis, Bahamas, yeah. Oh gosh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so he played all those games, but then he like he's only played sparingly. And I, and there hasn't been any announcement. I, I mean, I think we both are, well, I won't speak for you yet, but I think I, I'm at the point where I do think it's the injury and it's just, it's not bad enough where he can't play, but it's also not good enough where he feels confident on it yet. So um, he is just, we like, we know how great of a player he is. And when he's a hundred percent, he's hitting threes, he's talking smack. He's he's um, he's driving to the hoop and hitting some tough layups. So um, we wish the best for him. We hope he stays gets healthy, stays healthy. But um, no matter what, like even if he this is what his his last year with Loyola is going to be like, that dude is a Loyola Loyola legend for sure in his own right. And he has earned um, that respect from everyone. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just I think it's a tough situation. And I'm excited that he played 10 minutes. And if that's his role, if he plays that 10, 12 minutes off the bench, I think he can be really effective. So, um, Lou, I don't know if you had any thoughts on him or uh, or any other guys from the bench for that matter. Yeah, actually, I did have one thing I was kind of just uh, nearly going to allude to was like Chris um, 
St. Thomas played three minutes, right? And I was like, okay, I don't know why. I think, to be honest with you, Drew just wanted something different. I really do think, I don't think it was a strategic thing. I think everyone was turning the ball over early in that game. And I think Drew was like, time for something fresh. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I really did feel like that was the gist of it. Um, do I think those three minutes should have gone to Huddy? Yes. Can we do anything about it now? No. Um, someone who hasn't played a lot of minutes since their kind of breakout game, because coming from injury, uh, was Tom Welch. You haven't really seen him crack, uh, mm-hmm. uh, more than, uh, more than maybe six or five minutes, um, in the last two games. So I think that almost then should also be another discussion. Like what is our bench rotation? We know our bench is going to include Tate Hall, Chris Knight and Ryan Schweiger. We know that, right? Tate yeah. Hall, what in the, um, Valpo game played 31 minutes because of his defense. Now he did have 13 points because I think he drove instead of deciding to shoot, but his defense is, I think better than Ryan's. And now it could be a debate of Chris Knight just because Chris Knight's physically bigger, but I'd still think like Tate has the better defense of the two. So Mm -hmm. then the question is like, well, what about Tom? Is he a mismatch? So that was just something to weird that I, it's not weird. It's just an irregularity that I saw that St. Thomas had three minutes just because you hadn't seen too much of him. And I think that – is there anyone else you really want to talk about? Because that brought up another topic for me. But unless you – is there any other thing about the Indiana – or sorry, about the um, – yeah, about the Indiana State game? Um, No, I mean, I think just the highlights, right? Like Marquise and Lucas, I think, were the staples in this game. Lucas hit some great threes in the first half that I think really kept us in it. Um, it was great to see him four for five from three. Um, 17 points, and like like we talked about way earlier, Marquise 15 points, and, and Braden had a solid scoring night as well with 12 points. But no, other than those three, just making sure they get their due of uh, how well they did offensively, I'm good. So whatever else you got, go for it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, besides it just being turnover, is that I think the Valpo game especially, I got stressed and a little annoyed about it, and I forgot to mention to you, but the Indiana State game too, it's that these games, especially the Valpo game, is the game I expected to see our bench play more minutes than nearly some of the starters. Right. And that's the thing that when you see St. get three minutes, you're like, okay, well, in this situation, he really didn't need the three minutes because we were we were losing. But then when we're winning big, like I expected to be, I want him to be out there as much as possible, just like I you talked about Huddy, just that kind of experience. So I think that's something to watch out for as we move forward with the rest of conference play is that will we get games? We had a few games last year, right? Illinois State, I think we blew them out twice um, yeah. where guys got plenty of minutes in. They had It wasn't even garbage time. I'm pretty sure Demise Anderson might have even started the second half. It was just that guys were in because we were having these big leads. Now, is it a different team? Slightly. We don't have Kim McCrowick, yes. But we shouldn't be really struggling. And again, it's the first game Valpo, but... I don't really, and this is my opinion, not Bucks. I don't want to speak for him, but I don't think the Valpo game is part of that whole we missed 26, game, 26 days of playing. I think mm-hmm. the two games, the San Francisco and the Bradley game, cover that. Um, and then the Indiana State game, I, I don't know what's up with these slow starts. Um, again, we know how to finish and close, which is great. But just looking the longevity of that, just at some point it's not going to really work out. Right. Like we have to figure out how to start strong. We're not looking for be up 40 to 20 at at first half. I'm just looking to have the lead going into the first half at the end of the half. So just something that kind of jotted through my mind. I think it's a discussion, Buck. But again, there's so many things to toss up in the air. Um, I think the valley is the valley and it's proven it tonight as we're speaking. SIU lost by one to Drake. And that was a nail biter of a game. And so everyone, I think, is grinding and. It's a really interesting, really interesting conference we got and our last conference play with the uh, with the Valley. Yeah, and like here's my I think my biggest takeaway from these two games is I think this team is still searching for their identity. And you know, considering that, I think that it's still in they're 13 and 2. Like that's the best start since what? Like 1960 something, I think I read. It's the best conference start since like 2001 or something crazy like they're they're breaking records and we're still sitting here being like ah they could have done this better they could have done this better 
But that's because they can. Like, we know this team is so good. We know all the talented players we have on the team. We know that they can all play together. But I think that, you know, even though they're 13-2, and two, I think they're still searching for their identity. Um, and I think what they got to do is they have to focus on those. The most impressive parts of these games were their, their defense in the second half. Um, they only let up 23 points in the second half to Indiana State. And I think it was around that to Valpo. I'm going to check here. But they they really buckled down in these second halves um, and made sure that they were going to be the better team defensively. Um, and, yeah, they, they let up 25 points in the second half to Valpo. And those, those type of games, like, if, if you're letting up 22, 25 points a half, you're winning the game. Like, because what they're going to score fifty points on you? Like, there's no way this Loyola team is being held under fifty points. So, I think that that's what they need to focus on. And um, Drew said in the can't remember if it was the presser or if it was right after the game or something, but they, he said that they need to do they need to go back to the basics and just do simple better. And I really think that's going to help them on the offensive end. But I think it's a big step forward that Chris Knight is playing better defense, is getting better re- or more rebounds. Um, and I, I think that, you know, it's probably tough to to get assimilated into the Loyola defense quickly. And so I think that's what we're seeing with Chris Knight is he's just playing better uh, quality of minutes on defense. So I, that's what I hope their identity starts to revolve around is hard stops, turnovers, um, and uh, – just tough nose defense. Um, so that's my biggest takeaway. I hope they find their identity soon. And I think it will be obvious when they do find it. I think we'll be seeing uh, a lot less stressful games um, and a lot more uh, hard nose defense. So, yeah, Lou, what any like kind of final takeaways um, from this past week or anything you're looking forward to for the, for the next week? Yeah, I think uh, hopefully uh, we're going to knock on wood here that we get somewhat of a less tenseful at Evansville game. Um, but you never know. Shamir Grievance is a player to not really uh, bat an eye to. So we will see. Um, but I think the other thing is, as we talk about some of these frustrations or just concerns, is that we we are top of the valley. Like there's no denying that right now. We're, we're top of the valley. We're, we're, we're the team everyone wants to beat. And that's just mm-hmm. something that you were, it's, we're great to have. We're number 22 in the country right now, right? Evansville would love to be at home tomorrow and knock off the 22 team in the country. right now. that would be a big upset. I would say that would be a massive upset. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think we just need to keep grinding. Again, our two losses, um, Auburn is creeping at number one in the country. Michigan State sadly lost to some weird team in the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> Um, or oh, sorry, they were at home in Michigan State, but they lost to a team from the suburbs of Chicago. So mm-hmm. a little hiccup there. But again, I think as long as we we know what path we're down, our our two losses as of right now don't look that bad. Um, and again, as long as we're 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 we don't really like to root for the teams we beat um, all the way, especially a team named DePaul. But again, we want to see Vanderbilt have a good rest of their season, San Francisco um chicago state even love to see them to have a good year um so stuff like that again we we got a few more games um conference play i'll be definitely going to the next uh, missouri state at home game this saturday but excited for these next two games excited for uh what else we got coming yeah and i just like last thought here um this is fun right like we're numbered like you said number two or 22 team in the country wish we're number two 13 and two yeah, yeah, we uh, thirteen and two. We're four and zero in the valley. Um, like I almost feel spoiled. I feel spoiled like talking about the team in this way, but we just know that they can be so great. And um, but it's fun. Like I, I, I have to remind myself that we're having fun. Like this team is fun to watch. They got a lot of great players. They have a great future. Um, and, uh, it's just, uh, I just want to remind people to, to try to enjoy it a little bit. And I'm saying that out loud because I'm telling myself <laughs> to try to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, uh, and, uh, just kind of take, take the games as they come. Um, but, but yeah, this week at Evansville tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night, and then a uh, huge game against Missouri state at home. Like you said, I'm glad you're going to be there. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Missouri state's a great team, um, four and two in conference right now. So 
that will be uh, a fun one, I'm sure. Um, Baloo, any any last thoughts before uh, sign off for the for the week? No, I think just excited. Evansville hopefully will get somewhat of a little bit of a breather, maybe not a double overtime or a, a close uh, half or anything. Um, Cause again, that Missouri state game at home is going to be something, but again, the rest of these games are going to be something I'm looking at Southern in a week, nearly from now. And they just had a great game at Drake. So really excited, but I'm, I'm hoping we have some good weeks, good games this week. Me too. That is for sure. Um, well, thank you all for listening and don't forget always remember, Go Blairs.